Well, some stuff from the Bible. You, you know the Bible, right? You've seen it. Mandy's talked about it and on it. Matthew chapter 28, which is uh, the gospel reading, speaks of uh, the Jesus commissioning the disciples uh, and saying to them, all authority on heaven and earth is given to me, and then says, go forth and baptize. Uh, the church knows that to be the, gate, the great uh, commission uh, given not only to those disciples, but to us uh, who continue to be the disciples of the Lord. Today is also Mission Sunday in the life of our church. If you look at our lectionary, we are celebrating the fact that we are called to mission. And this ties in quite neatly with what we're doing by way of confirmation and the licensing of lay ministers. Because in confirmation, uh, I will say these words. In confirmation, we come to be filled through the laying on of hands with the power of the Spirit, which is why we wear red today, and I, I couldn't get a red skirt, the one that Mandy's wearing, so I thought I'd wear these vestments. To become, through the laying of hands with the power of the Spirit, for worship, witness, and service. That's why we give ourselves to God, so that we might be empowered with the Spirit of God to do those three things to worship him, as we're doing now, to witness to his name, and to serve him in the world, which is the mission of the church. But I want to come back to that in a second. And when I license the lay ministers, part of the admission service includes these words. Christians, by their baptism, are called to share in the ministry to these people and in his mission to the world. There's the thing about mission. Not called just to read in church or to administer the chalice, but we are called as lay ministers, as priests, indeed all of us are called to be involved in God's mission. And then, turning to the prayer book, you, you heard this thing called a prayer book, Anglican prayer book. I'll buy you one one of these days. No, I'm just kidding. In the introduction to the service of Holy Communion, there are these words. They're very interesting. In the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving, in the Eucharist, there is a twofold movement. One is the call to come draw near and receive. That's what the celebrant says uh, when the bread and the cup is being blessed. There's an invitation. If you use the invitation, it says, draw near and receive. I, I love those words, that invitation, that just as we are, we come to God, remembering the words of the, the hymn. Not because we are perfect or we are okay, not because we are well, but with our struggles and our weaknesses and our sin, our shortcomings, we come to God, to the altar of God, in order that we might receive his life in a, in a mysterious way. We receive his life in the sacrament. But the second part 
to that is the first is to call the call to come, draw near, receive. Then it goes on to say, then there is the summons to move out into a needy world where at the end of the service, the celebrant would say, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Don't remain here. You've had the invitation to come and to receive of God, both in the word and the sacrament, but now go into the world to love and serve the Lord. And then it ends with these words. These are the hallmarks of the Eucharistic community. It's a hallmark of this community. It's to draw near as we do today, to receive the love of God in word and sacrament, and at the end, to go forth. And if we turn to the scriptures, we find a similar pattern, particularly in the Acts of the Apostles. And you know how it is, the church was conceived on the day of Pentecost through the Holy Spirit. The church gathered, Acts chapter 2, to break bread, to pray, and so on. And then the church scattered, a similar pattern, all through the Acts. The church gathers, and the church scatters. The church gathers, as we're doing today, and then it scatters, into a needy world, well, places of work, and so on and so Pretty much like the heart. It gathers the blood, and then it sends it forth. And we know what happens. If the, if the heart stops that particular function, then the body dies. The church dies when it stops doing those two things, of gathering together for worship, and then going out, sharing this love of God. So, so mission is at the very heart of the church. And what do we mean by mission? Just briefly. Normally, when we say mission, we think evangelism. Well, mission includes evangelism, but not all of mission is evangelism. Uh, some years ago, over a de decade ago, the Anglican Church defined mission as having five marks, the five marks of mission. And these marks are, first of all, proclamation, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Now that's evangelism. As Christians, sharing this love of God with all and sundry. It's taking out this good news, to proclaim the good news. And in our world, even in our country, there is such a need for this proclamation of the good news because we seem to be losing our way. And so we need to call people back to Christ so that they may know the true value of God. The second is, according to the five marks, the second is to teach, baptize, and nurture new believers. And this is the discipleship ministry of the church, that having called people, we now disciple them. We teach them how to be obedient to God and to follow him. Jim Wallace, uh, who was uh, in South Africa recently, uh, the great evangelical Christian from uh, an organization called Sojourners in America, wrote in a book, one of his first books, I think, he said, 
the problem with modern day evangelism is that many are called to conversion but few to obedience. And the second mark reminds us that we need to teach people to follow Christ. That is not simply about, uh, if you like, having a hallelujah time with God. The third mark is to respond to human need by loving service. It's serving the world and serving one another. And fourthly, to seek to transform unjust structures of society, to challenge violence of every kind, and to pursue peace and reconciliation. Just on Friday, the, the KwaZulu-Natal church leaders met, and I, I'm the convener and chair of the KwaZulu-Natal church leaders group. And we spent about an hour uh, and a half, the Roman Catholic Cardinal was saying, please can we talk about the state of the nation? And we spent an hour and a half reflecting on what's going on in the country. And to be honest, it was a kind of depressing discussion. Uh, the issues of uh, of, of violence, of corruption, of stealing, of uh, mismanagement, and all of those things came up. And we started to say as leaders, where are we failing God? What's happened to the voice of the church? Uh, in the days of apartheid, the church was so vocal. Why are we losing that voice at a time when the voice of the church needs to be heard? Well, I. I don't have time to give you a report, but I want you to know that that is a question we're engaged with, and I'm going to be leading another group. We're going to be inviting our politicians to meet with us, and we want to uh, say to them what's going on. We feel we need to be prophetic. We need to speak truth to power. And then, lastly, to strive to safeguard the integrity of creation and sustain and renew the life of the earth. We can't disagree with that. Uh, Mandy in her opening prayer said something like, you are the God of creation. Whilst God is redeemer and sanctifier and savior, we shouldn't forget that God is also creator God, the Jehovah Jireh, the El Shaddai, and that God wants us to take care of this creation which he has given us, not to rape it or to destroy it, but to be good stewards of it. So mission includes those five strands. It is much broader than evangelism. In fact, I would say evangelism must be the thread that goes through all of them. You can't separate evangelism out of the care of the environment, or in matters of social justice. No, in, in every season, on every occasion, we should be proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. That is at the very heart of it. Okay, as I draw to a close, because I'm only getting paid for speaking for 10 minutes, I want to end with worship. Worship is in itself a witness to the world. 
And I, I never forget the story when I was a young priest. I, I'm still young. I'm just a young bishop now. Uh, uh, and rector of a parish. Had a wonderful service that day. And at the end of the service, as we, you know, we priests, we like to corner people at the door and greet them and make funny remarks. Somebody came up to me and said, oh, hi, Father. Uh, I said, oh, I don't know you. What's your name? He said, no, no, I, I'm not a member of the church. In fact, I'm not even a Christian. I was going to pass, and I heard this wonderful singing. And so I decided to come into the church. And then when I saw all of you singing and receiving communion together, I was so touched that I sat there and given what you say in your sermon, I committed my life to Christ. Nobody witnessed to him. It was coming into a church where there was warm fellowship, where the word was being proclaimed, the sacrament celebrated, and that in itself was a witness to this person. I later baptized this person, actually, he was an adult. So, as we go forward, let us be a people who are shaped by the mission of God, because mission is God in action. There's uh, this lovely little book, and I end with this. Uh, it's called The Mission-Shaped Church. Uh, uh, many of you will know it. Uh, there's uh, a section here on to fulfill the Anglican calling. And there's a statement which states, it goes, the Church of England exists to be a church for the nation. The Church of England exists, exists to be a church for the nation. It says, this is not a comment on the issue of the church being established, but a statement of its mission purpose. And I want to leave you with that, except I want to change one word and pose the question, is St. Margaret's being exists to be a church for the people of Northlands? Amen.